Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I welcome back returning guest, photographer Matt Day. Matt Day is a photographer based in Chillicothe, Ohio. Um, He's well known for his popular YouTube channel, Matt Day, where he talks about all different types of uh, photography-related topics from everything from film photography to uh, different projects he's working on, photo books, you name it. He just makes really cool videos and is a real passionate photographer about what he does. Um, So I was excited to get him back on the podcast and talk to him about his new book, Friend of Mine, that he just released and um, a lot of other stuff he's been working on. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this one and thanks so much for listening. And now welcome back returning guest, Matt Day. Uh, excited to have you back, man. Uh, been a big fan of your work for years, everything you do on YouTube, your photography. So excited to have you back on, man. But, uh, I guess how you've been doing, man, it's been a crazy year and a half for the, the world, but, uh, how, how you hanging in there out in, uh, Chillicothe, Ohio, man. I am hanging on somehow, man. It's uh, it's been crazy, not just for me, but for everybody, obviously. So, uh, yeah, it's been a long time, man, since we since we initially talked. But uh, lately, things are finally creeping towards some sort of normalcy. So it's like uh, trying to get back into into moving. You know what I mean? It's like I'm trying to shake all the rust off of everything now that photo work is coming back. Uh, just everything in general, things things feel more normal now than they have in a long time. So it's, it's good, but it's been, it's been crazy busy lately. So no, that's good, man. I was actually thinking that before I hopped on here, like obviously most of my friends, like I know you do commercial work too and whatnot, but like, obviously it's been a crazy year with work and finding assignments. How was kind of, were you affected with like your YouTube stuff? Was that affected with the pandemic or this like how that works? I know you work with a dumb, bunch of different sponsors and stuff but were you affected with the pandemic with that kind of stuff i guess yeah yeah i was pretty lucky to have you know sponsors that i could really rely on you know we a lot of them at least it's it's like yearly contracts like i i know what to expect all year long so that's that's a a good safety net you know what i mean and and gives me a little bit of peace of mind when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, so a lot of the like weddings and commercial work that I had lined up, all of that obviously had to be pushed back or canceled. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of had to shift some gears a little bit, you know, with like little things here and there just to, to make sure obviously we were, we were good to go. And, uh, my wife being an RN as well, uh, you know, I'm not working by, basically just my own income. So that was obviously nice knowing that if things shifted for me, she obviously, uh, you know, was still working considering (laughs) everything going on, which added its own kind of stress to the situation, you know, being an RN working in a pandemic. So uh, yeah, I I had to shift gears a little bit, you know, some projects um, basically getting pushed back or just basically shifting how we're going to go about filming certain videos because of, you know, all the guidelines and stuff. But um, oddly enough, I, I saw it happen to a lot of different people I know. Uh, basically, the Google like ad revenue for YouTube videos, um, mine, like right at the start of the pandemic was pretty much cut in half, basically yeah. like what you would make monthly. And, you know, in my head, I was like, well, more people are home and my views are up, subscribers are up, but the ad revenue was literally in half. So I don't know if that was 
ad companies or, or companies who were buying advertisements, if they were pulling money from advertisement and that affected it, I have truly no idea how that kind of thing works or like what, what yeah. caused that. Um, I mean, considering it's it's a part of my job, I should probably know more about it than I do. But <laughs> I don't think hardly anybody because you watch a lot of YouTube because you, you hear these conversations about like the, like no one understands how it works, and it's not like there's Dude. anybody you can reach out to. So it's just kind of like fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the the algorithm and everything, man. I'm just like yeah, I don't know. I uh, I put out you know a video, same kind of video that I normally do. Sometimes it will just take off within the first hour, and other times it's like. I'll get maybe an eighth of the normal views in that time frame for whatever reason. It could be the title, it could be the thumbnail, it could be the time of day, it could be whatever the algorithm decides to do that day. Um, yeah, man, it's 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 there's a lot of unknown, uh, and when it's you know your job, it's it's a little little nerve wracking at times. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. But I guess like uh, the the I know my friends who are wedding photographers right now. That business is bumping. Like I was talking to my buddy who's a videographer. He's like, I'm doing I'm doing nine weddings in like one month or something. Yeah. Um. Is, is that is that something you're still doing a lot of these days? Or um, I'm pretty fortunate in the the fact that I can kind of pick and choose the weddings that I do and I can sort of limit how many I do because I I have other yeah. things that I do you know like I know wedding photographers who just shoot weddings like that is all they do all year long and I mean they're shooting you know over 60 weddings a year and I'm like 52 Crazy. weekends in a year and you're shooting 60 over that a year. Like there's, yeah. I, I would personally go nuts if I <laughs> shot that many weddings. Like I, I shoot, you know, maybe a dozen or so a year because that's pretty good. It, that's like a sweet spot for me. It's yeah. like, it's, it's good, uh, extra income on top of the other stuff that I do. And I still enjoy it because I'm not burnt out from shooting nothing but weddings. And I like working with couples. I like, you know, the whole like storytelling of the whole day. Um, you know, it's, it's a fun kind of process for me, but I do think that this might be my last year shooting weddings. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking, uh, cause I don't have anything booked for 2022. Um, all of the weddings that were originally booked this year, plus the 2020 weddings that got, you know, basically shoehorned into this year as well. Uh, it's, it's enough to keep me busy and, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing it, but I just have other things I'd like to do other personal projects I'd like to pursue and just, uh, more time for the YouTube channel and just sort of doing my own thing. So, uh, as much as I enjoy it, I think, uh, maybe at least until some other time in my life, I'll probably be, be cutting weddings out basically at the end of this year. So yeah, definitely, man, you got to pick your spots and do what you enjoy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I know I learned a lot from weddings. I, I'm the same way. I, I like maybe like seven years ago, I was shooting a ton and now I don't, I haven't really shot one in I think like three or four years um, just cause you want to focus on what you're, you're passionate about and stuff. And yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a hard transition, but yeah, that's sick, man. Do you still, cause I know, you do commercial work because sometimes you'll show like some stuff you're working on like i know years past like your instagram and stuff but i think probably a lot of people might not know that like that you do commercial work because they see you're the face of youtube and all the awesome videos you do but is commercial work something you enjoy doing those type of projects you know it's not something that i like have a passion for or get really excited to do sometimes it is it, it depends on the job um i'm pretty fortunate that one of the guys i went to high school with um who i actually share an office space with he runs a marketing agency and so he's 
all of the time needing photo and video work for any of his clients. I mean, that there are beer companies and, uh, you know, food companies and yeah. like different stuff like that, that he has monthly clients with, you know, so he's doing all of their email marketing. He's building their website. He's doing all the product photography, any videos or commercials they're shooting. Um, and for years I was always the main photographer and even, and even video guy as well. If he would occasionally need a video for stuff and, you know, local doctor's offices, stuff like yeah. that. Um, but basically just through, I guess, doing my own thing, I kind of didn't have time to shoot with the amount of clients he had and he was continuing to grow his business as well. So now, uh, he's got like a whole team of guys who just shoot video, guys who just edit video, guys who just shoot photos, people yeah. who just write emails. Like it's a whole team here in the in the the building. Um, and then I just uh, kind of tag along because occasionally <laughs> either uh, maybe they might need help with a specific lighting setup that they want to do. And uh, the main photographer, he's not as familiar with like off camera lighting and stuff like that and, and shooting in the studio, which he's learned a ton just in the past, you know, couple of years. But um, occasionally it's like, I try to just lend a hand when I can, if they either need another photographer or if they need some help with lighting or anything like that, then I'll step in and help out. But um, similar to the whole wedding gig, it's like, I like that I can kind of just help out here and there and I'm not shooting nothing but commercial work. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, it's nice to kind of keep things varied a little bit so I don't really get burnt out, but um, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I never share a ton of. Um, I, and I think maybe it's because I've never felt any kind of like ownership of that kind of work. Like uh, w when I'm shooting that kind of stuff, I'm really trying to, to give the client something that they're going to be happy with and that they can, you know, they can do their own thing with that photo. It's not really like my, my voice or my yeah. style or my, you know what I mean? It's you're just this, like, you're just executing it for that client, what the, whatever their needs might be. Right. Right. And, and, and if I were shooting more commercial work, I would probably try and define my style more and, and show that off to try and get more work. You know what I mean? But it's like, because it's never been, you know, my main focus on anything. I'm like, I just want to make sure they're happy with the photos. It doesn't matter if, if I like the photo at the end of the day, as long as they're happy with it. Yeah. Um, I obviously have a, a quality standard that I want to meet, but it's not like I'm trying to make something that, you know, I'm going to want to put in a book someday or hang up in my house or whatever, you know, it's like, I'm just trying to make sure the client's happy yeah, yeah. and they're able to, to get what they want out of it, you know? Yeah. Cause like at this point with your photography, like what, what gives you the most joy? I mean, obviously you do your YouTube videos, you just publish a really cool book. Um, you're always doing personal projects, but like, I guess like, what is it kind of gives you the most joy in photography these days? Man, I, I mean, for years, like from when I first picked up a camera, um, just doing like everyday documentary kind of stuff, uh, whatever catches my eye, you know, it started with like me and my friends skateboarding and that's just, that's all I was really interested in taking photos of was just what was around me. And nine times out of 10, that was my friends and I skateboarding. So, uh, taking photos like that has now turned into me spending time with my wife and kids and I'm taking photos of whatever it is we're doing, you know, mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, if I'm just walking through town, anything that catches my eye, like it's, it's always just been things that kind of pique my curiosity or trying to like 
tell the story of what was going on, you know? So if I'm hanging out with friends or family, I'm trying to shoot, uh, to kind of tell the story as to what's happening, you know? And I think maybe part of it is the pandemic and spending so much time at home and, and slowing things down that way. But, um, I also like, I've, I've always liked kind of keeping a full plate and a, and a full schedule. So I'm all, I've always got something I can work on. Yeah. And, uh, last year at the end of the year, I basically took like two weeks off for the first time in over a decade, like completely no work, no, no, nothing. You know what I mean? And that was super hard for me to do because I genuinely like working on stuff and I like checking things off my list, you know? <laughs> and, uh, it was tough for me to like kind of ease into that, that kind of like vacation mode basically, you know? And it was, it was the end of December in Ohio. So I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, I, was just sitting, on. <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting inside, but you know, I was really trying to like, just not think about work. And, um, I feel like I went through some sort of shift in that process because I can't really put it into words. And there was nothing that it wasn't like I woke up one, you know, after that was over and was like, Oh, I, I, I can see it now. This is how I need to do things, you know? Um, but ever since then, I just feel like I've had a much slower approach to, photography to day-to-day -day life, pretty much everything. Um, I don't know. I, it, it took a while for me to like ease into that kind of speed. But after like the first week off, I finally started to be like, okay, now I can actually feel myself like slowing down a little bit. And, uh, I think photography for me, while I still love the everyday, like documentary stuff and carrying my camera around, um, I feel like even that in itself has slowed down in a, in a bit. And I think initially I was like, I was kind of confused by that because it was just a, it's a different way of, of seeing for me, you know, um, why you feel like you're like more thought out and like what you're going to photograph now a little bit. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know what I'm not looking for. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, and I think at times, I would kind of tell myself, no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on, I can make a photo of this, you know, and I should, because I can, I should. And I think that was like my mindset for a long time. And now it's like, I don't try to force myself as much uh, to be shooting every single day, all day long. I mean, anywhere I went, I would have my camera on me and you know, I would take just a lot of photos. Obviously you take a lot, you're going to take a lot of bad photos too. So it wasn't like I was just yeah. taking a bunch of photos I loved every day, but I was just always shooting. And I, I, you know, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to go about it, but I think right now I'm kind of in a mindset where I'm like, you know, maybe I don't need to be feeling like I need to, to shoot every single day or telling myself, Nope, you know, it's, it's, whatever day of the week, it doesn't matter what I've got going on. I need to make time for it. I need to get myself, you know, in that mindset and I need to always be shooting. And I've kind of just like taken my foot off the gas a little bit. And it's like, you know, when I see something that I want to shoot, I'm going to shoot it, but I'm not going to feel like I have to, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't force creativity. And it's like, I mean, with social media you know this and you've talked about it plenty of times is like you can see what other people are like doing or making themselves look like they're doing you feel like you need <laughs> to be on that train but like yeah you can't force it and it's like i think it's better 
to take a break and actually be more intentional about what you're doing and like thinking about your work. Like I remember I interviewed Gregory Crutes and that guy, his work's obviously it's like a whole production, but he's right. like, yeah, he basically only shoots like he basically shoots during the summer and that's almost it. Yeah. Like in the rest of the year is just him like thinking about his photos, how he wants to execute it, what he's going to do. And I was just like, wow, man, that's just such a different way of working. I can't imagine doing that, but it is like you're saying, it's good to slow down and think about what you want to do. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's something that I've never experienced before. And, and I think because I don't know, man, I, it's, it's so hard for me to explain even what I do on YouTube because I don't consider myself an educator, but I have videos teaching people how to develop film or how to, you know, use a certain camera or whatever. Um, I don't consider myself an influencer, but I have sponsors and ad reads for products that I use and believe in. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, I mean, I'm a photographer, so I, I, you know, take photos for a living as well. But it's like there, I have all these different hats. You know what I mean? And it's like I, I try to be as open and transparent as I can because I never want it to look like, oh man, he has all of it figured out and and he's got the secrets because if anyone acts like they have it all figured out and they have all the secrets, they're full of shit. You know what I mean? And, and there's, like, there's, there's plenty of those YouTube channels out there. You can find them. Right. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's the thing. I'm like, I don't want to be that. I don't want people to get that kind of feel when they come to my channel to think like, Oh, this guy thinks he, you, you know what I mean? Cause I'm just like, anybody out there can do exactly what I'm doing when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to photography, whatever, like, yeah, everyone has their own style and approach, but it's like, dude, I'm, I'm just simply putting my stuff out there. And somehow after doing it for all these years, like I'm, I'm in a position where I'm still able to do it like for a living, which is incredible, but I can't like, I can't, fake it and pretend like I know the best way to work as a photographer. So as I'm going through these sort of shifts in my own perspective and approach and all of that, I'm like, well, how the hell am I supposed to tell people, like give people advice or like show people what works and what doesn't? Because this is my approach right now, but that can change in six months. And I might feel completely differently about it in six months. And uh, the photos that I'm putting out there, I like them right now. What about in six months? What if I hate all of these photos? Yeah. Now, all of these people have seen these photos and now I don't like them. So now it's like, well, shoot, I wish I could take back sharing it before, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I've been thinking about that so much more lately. And I think maybe it is because I've gone through such a different like shift in perspective. Mm -hmm. It's really made me think about photography as a whole on social media and, and, how photographers use it. And I don't mean how do you grow on social media, but it's like, how is that affecting the way we consume our work, the way we value our own work? Like, um, it, it's just, I don't know, man, you, you only get one first impression of an image and how different is the impact going to be if someone sees it for half a second as they're scrolling past it, or if they, are sequenced a set of photos to see it beforehand in a book. And then you, you lead to that sort of impact for the first time you see it in a printed page and you have control over all of the things that person saw right before it and all of the things they see after it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's just, 
I don't know, man, it's, it's so, and maybe it is because I also just, uh, put out the book and maybe that's another reason why that's been on my mind, but it's like, man, hearing from people and, and hearing what people have kind of put together in their own mind after sitting down with the book and they'll, they'll message me and they're like, you know, I, I really like this or, or what made you do this this way, you know, with the sequencing and the pairing of photos, um, you just don't have any of that with social media. I can't control what the algorithm puts right before it. And you're looking at it on a, a two inch yeah, screen. It's, it, it's not a body of work. It's like, it's cool. Cause a friend of mine thing, you published the book, but that, that project is just like, that's your life and it's ongoing. It's going to keep going. Exactly. And it's like the patience thing. I, I was talking to another photographer the other week and Esteban Oriol. I think, you know, his work. I've got, yep. Right over there on my shelf. I've got his LA book. Yeah. And that's what he was saying. He was like, he's like, yeah, I, I shot all the uh, protests and everything in L.A. last year. Um, and he was like, I didn't feel he didn't post any of it. He's like, for me, he's trying to build this. He's looking long term. And he right. knows in 20 years that um, your body of work is going to speak much more volume than this taking one nice picture and posting on Instagram. It's like that body of work and seeing someone like. Yeah. Like anybody, if you see a cool pro photo project where someone who's worked on it for like 10 years, it just, it just hits way different than like, obviously it's cool seeing one cool picture or whatever, but seeing someone who dedicated 10 years or 20 years on one project, it's just, it yeah, speaks man. much more volume, you know? Yeah. I mean, completely like, and again, when, when it comes to that first impression, it it's, it's a bummer. Like I love buying books and zines, you know, I'm always buying photo books and zines and it's a bummer when you get a book in the mail and you flip through it and you're like, well, I've, I've seen all of these on their Instagram already. They've yeah. already posted all of these before, you know? And it's like, you know, it, it's, it is a different experience seeing it printed on a page versus, you know, having seen all the images, you know, on Instagram, but it's like, man, what would the impact have been if I hadn't seen any of these before? And my first time seeing these images, it was in this book in my hand with no distractions, no notifications popping up in the way. Like it's just, it's a totally different way of, of doing it. And um, yeah, that's just been on my mind a ton lately. And I even put out uh, sort of like a little, I don't know, basically a, a thing asking people like, share your thoughts. You know, I was talking about, uh, the whole idea of social media, specifically Instagram, I guess, like if, if you are putting your work out there on Instagram, you're sharing it because you want people to see it mm -hmm. no matter how, you know, too cool you think you are. Like if you're putting it out on Instagram, it is because you want people to see it and that's okay. Like, yeah. I think some people are like, Oh no, I don't care what anyone thinks. And I'm like, <laughs> then put it in a folder and keep it to yourself. Cause yeah, like yeah. <laughs> if you're putting it out there, you want people to see it and you want to get some sort of, not necessarily the likes and the, the, you know, praise for it, but you want people to respond. You want some feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Like you want, to, you want to know, or at least you want to, to put that photo out there so that someone will connect to it in one way or another, you know, um, which is obviously a good thing. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're doing it consistently, and obviously if you're trying to grow from that and you're seeing what other people are doing on Instagram, what does that do to yourself as a photographer and, and to like, like, how does that shift your mindset? You know? 
Um, do you love it? Do you hate it? And so I put all that out there and the responses from people were amazing because they were so all over the place. I had a lot of people who were like, Oh, I, I don't even care about that. I don't care about the likes and this mm -hmm. and that. Um, which again, you know, I get not caring about the amount of likes and stuff like that, but surely you have to care at least some if you're putting it out there. But I heard from tons of people who were like, yeah, it's, it's really discouraging because I'll have a photo that I love and that, you know, I'll share with a couple friends and they really love it. Yeah. But then I upload it on Instagram and it, it gets, you know, three likes and then just crickets, you know, no one sees it, no one cares, or I made a zine and no one bought it or, you know, I only sold X of whatever. It's like that kind of thing can so easily get in someone's head and then they'll just stop sharing or shooting altogether. And get it's like, get defeated. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I try to think about like some of the greats of photography who have had incredible careers. And, and even if they didn't have this, you know, uh, career full of accolades and accomplishments, maybe all they did was make one book or one project or one zine, yeah. uh, or even just, you know, one great image. Maybe if social media was around, for that person, what if they got really bummed out because they didn't, you know, they didn't get the kind of response they were hoping for. And then they just stopped altogether and wouldn't have made, you know, some great work that they later would have made. Does that make sense? Like, definitely, man. I think it for me, this is thing. I just look at my photography as momentum. Like, yeah, obviously the likes, like if you get a good response, you're a human being, you're going to like that. But at the end of the day, I try to remind myself just to keep making work that I like putting it out there and i feel like the longer i the more and more i keep doing that like opportunities present themselves and maybe it's not even that it's just you become a stronger photographer and that's the thing that i enjoy is just growing as a photographer and just looking at you man the thing that i've always respected about you like i was watching your shit on youtube like i think from like the first month when you were filming <laughs> you were filming on a gopro on a like gopro <laughs> a gopro camera like just sitting in your living room and just like <laughs> just talking about like your leica or some shit and if you i think the thing that i respect is that you you kept at it and you've kept at it for how many years have you been doing it now like seven oh my god seven i think uh Let's see 21 yeah i think it'll be seven years this summer or yeah, yeah. seven years now holy shit yeah seven <laughs> if, if you told yourself seven years ago that you would be making a living talking about photography you you, would, you, you probably wouldn't believe that right no i mean i i i had the idea of making a youtube channel and you know really trying to cater towards like film photography specifically for over a year before i finally did it and my wife kept telling me like you just need to do it. You keep talking about like, can you know, you're thinking about it and you have ideas and people keep telling you they would watch it if you made the videos, like yeah. just make it, you know? And so I, when I finally did, uh, dude, that was the most unnatural, awkward <laughs> feeling to talk to a camera. Like my, I, my wife, I would tell her to leave the house. I'm like, you can't be here while I'm the, filming this. The one, the one video, if you watch back, I remember there was one early on where you were like taking portraits and your wife was in it and you were like shooting with an RZ or something. Yeah. Yeah. You could visibly tell you were nervous. like Dude, <laughs> it was so like doing anything in front of the camera was so unnatural and so awkward for me. And yeah. I mean, still to this day, it's like, you know, it's not normal. It's not a normal thing to sit down and talk to a camera, but I have to try and like envision the people that 
are watching and I have to envision that I am talking to people and it's like, dude, it is so tough to, to make sure you're, you're, I guess like you're saying things how you want them to be heard because you miss, there's so much in a conversation that you miss when you're talking to just the camera. And it's like, without having that person to bounce off of and, and I guess make sure they know what I'm saying and that it's like, yeah, man, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do what you do, dude. Like this is way easier (laughs) because we're just ripping and shit, man. So mad respect, but yeah, the point (laughs) I was just trying to make is like whatever you're doing and not to sound too fucking like motivational out here, but it's like, yeah, if you just fucking stay at it and I've seen it myself, like I remember when I started this podcast, I was like, I think I, I wrote you some questions or something because you had yours and I was just curious about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just just stuck at it for four years and And it's now I, look at all of the people you've had the pleasure of sitting down with, dude. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's just like you, you learn and I've, I've, I've learned so much about my own photography, just like interacting with all these people. And I'm sure it's the same way with you, but it's like, exactly. that's, what, that's the, I think for me doing this is it, this reminds me, whatever you're doing might not even be photography. If you just like keep at it, like shit, this happens, you know, yeah. and like, don't get too bogged down and like, like the, the, the likes and all that shit. It's and all the it, details of like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it like the way I should be, you know, like, yeah. Cause all that stuff will just come along naturally. Right. Yeah. And that, and, and that's, I think when your true like style or voice really comes out, you know, when, when you just sort of find it yourself through doing rather than like following a template, you know, and it's, it's so easy to, I mean, especially for me, that's one thing I've struggled with as things have grown and it became a job, something, I mean, dude, I, I couldn't imagine at the time there being 10 people who would want to watch any of my videos, you know what I mean? And, and over the years with the channel growing and sponsors and this and that, like it still trips me out. And it's, it's like, I have to remind myself, like, keep doing what you're doing. Remember to be yourself. Remember like you don't have to follow a formula or a guide on like the right way to do things because I'm just figuring it out as I go. Like I always have, you know, and, and it's, I think when you add that pressure of like, well, it's your job. So you've got a lot of shit writing on this, like you better do it right and do a good job. It's really easy for that to become where you start like calculating things like, well, no, maybe if I do it this way and if I structure it this way, then I can be, you know, more productive and more consistent and more this, more that. And it's like, I think you lose some of the magic when you box yourself in that way, you know? And, and I've, I can look back at like different chapters or different years from my own channel. And I'm like, who the hell is even talking in that video? You know? Cause it's like at the time I was trying to be myself, but I have changed so much, you know? And maybe some of that change is from like seeing myself and editing videos of myself for years. Like, dude, that's such a weird thing to, to experience. Like, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I don't think people think about it that way unless they either make videos themselves or if they're photographed a lot, like if they're a model or an actor or whatever, but like, dude, when you sit down and edit videos of yourself all of the time for seven years straight, like, I, to me, think I look like the most strange looking person in the world because (laughs) I've just, I've seen myself too much, you know? And it's like, dude, what the hell does that do 
to your <laughs> mental health when you see videos and hear yourself yeah. that often, you know, and it's like, uh, it, it's one of those things that it's so easy to get into your head and be like, Nope, I need to do it this way because you know, whatever. But like, like I said, man, just leaving some room for, for that sort of spontaneity, you know, and, and to just be yourself and figure it out as you go, whether it be your, your, like in your case, a podcast, a YouTube channel, your photography, like I said earlier, my kind of like different approach to things now. Mm-hmm. Um, at first I'm just like, I don't know, is that, is that me? Does that feel like me? Does that, you know, and I, and I've kind of got tripped up about it and I'm like, dude, I, I'm just going to do what feels right to me, you know? And it, and if that's a different approach or, or a slower approach, then it is what it is, you know? Yeah, just throw shit up against the wall and see if it sticks or if you like it or whatever. <laughs> and that's one thing about you, man. You're a fucking maniac. I don't know. It doesn't seem like as much anymore. <laughs> like the amount, you're always just switching cameras and fucking around, which I think is great. You're like, I'm selling this shit. I'm buying this shit. And I'm like, dude, I, I cannot do it. But I think it makes it fun. It's just like toying around. Like I saw you just um, I think you got like a four by five camera or something. Yeah, and yeah. That's, and- like, that's like a new thing you're, you're fucking around with. Yeah, I uh, I had a four by five set up back in the day and didn't really do a lot with it because it just didn't feel right to me. You know, I'm like, most of the time, the stuff that I like to shoot is just real quick spur of the moment stuff, whether it be hanging out with people or I'm walking, you know, from the post office to my truck and I happen to see something. I'm gonna shoot a photo real quick because I've always got my camera with me. Like it's it's never been a slow process. It's always been very quick and candid. And so now kind of shooting in a different way, I'm like, okay, now like slowing down a little bit, four by five, it's a much slower process. And uh, and the way I've been shooting, I've kind of, you know, just had a different approach. Like now it actually makes sense to, to get back into four by five and like really try and, and see if that kind of approach and that process lends itself to the work and what it is that I'm interested in shooting now, you know? So, um, and that was kind of the idea of it was like, I'm not going to shoot four by five just to shoot four by five because I think it's cool. Like if it's not going to work for my day to day shooting, I'm not going to try and shoehorn it in, you know, like, and that's, you know, bouncing around from different cameras and stuff. I'm like, dude, I like being able to, swap things out and just try something different. See, how does this camera make me shoot based on, you know, the way you actually are using the camera, the way it operates, the way you're looking through the viewfinder. If it's got a waist level viewfinder or a a prism viewfinder, whatever, um, you know, I I really like the way different tools make people work. You know, Um, it, it can definitely influence just how you're shooting. And it's not about this camera is going to take better pictures than the other one. It's like, no, what does it do to you? Like what, what do you see differently when you're using that particular camera, you know, or kind of on, on, you know, a similar note, it's like, I like cameras that I just enjoy using. There are cameras that I've used before that have amazing lenses. And if it's a digital camera that might have an amazing sensor, sure. That's one thing, but like, does it actually make me want to get out and shoot? Do I enjoy using it? Because if I don't enjoy using a camera and I'm shooting personal work, meaning no one's paying me to take those photos. Like, yeah. uh, if someone's paying me to take the photos, hand me any camera you want. I don't care. I'm going to make it work. You know what I mean? <laughs> if it's personal work, if it's a camera I hate using, 
I'm probably not going to be very interested in getting up and actually making the work, you know? Yeah, man. If it's a camera that like I enjoy using that I think is fun, whether it's because it's an old clunky film camera or it's just a camera I know like the back of my hand, if I know it and enjoy shooting with it, I'm going to shoot more. And that's the part of it that's going to lead to better work, you know, more time in the field actually making pictures, you know? Um, yeah, it's fun, man. It's a good time. I know every time I break out my hostel blood, like yeah, that, that clunk clunk, man. It's just, dude, it, that's it's something to tell me. <laughs> yeah, dude, truly, like there, there is a different kind of feel uh, when you're whether it's like maybe you're just out shooting photos with your uh, like by yourself, and you've got that camera, and you're enjoying that process. Or if you're shooting portraits of somebody or walking around town with it and someone sees it and they're like, what the hell is that? You know, and it's, it's a conversation starter and then people get excited about it. And it's like, especially I think when it comes to like shooting portraits of people, having something different that is going to take their attention away from I'm nervous, I'm in front of the camera, I don't like getting my picture taken, whatever. You start working with a film camera and all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's cool. What's that? I haven't seen one of those in however many years. Or if it's someone young they have no idea what that is, you know? And it's like, it's, it's not about being better than a digital camera in terms of image quality or anything like that. I mean, you know, people get super hung up on like, well, you can get the film look if you do this and do that. And it's like, sure. I like the way film looks, but for me, it's just about the actual process and like how I like to shoot with those cameras. And also in those kinds of settings, again, it's like, it's just fun. It's just a, you, you get some banter back and forth between, you know, the photographer and the subject that you normally wouldn't have if I just rolled up with like the latest Sony yeah. or Canon camera. You know what I mean? Yeah, the technical stuff is, is interesting, but I, I definitely I think sometimes people get too bogged down with it because for me, it's like oh, yeah. ha- having a perspective as a photographer is the hardest thing to do. Like it takes years and years to figure out what your perspective is and your voice or whatever. And it, when I look at like I got this photograph that dude, Larry Fink uh, yeah. last, last week. And then like, yeah, yeah, I saw those. And that dude just has such, like when I look at his work, I know it's his thing. And it's like he was shooting the whole th- all his work now. He showed me he shoots with this little Sony point and shoot. And that's it. It's amazing. Dude. And I talked to him. He's like, yeah, this is it's the photos are sharp. It's good. And he's like, I don't he's like because he shot for decades on film and he doesn't care. Like and it's just it's more down to like he was shooting photos of frogs. And yeah, it's so interesting. And it was just like it wasn't that he was using this camera. It was just he had a unique perspective. And that's what made his work interesting. Exactly. Dude. That's what I'm saying. Like if I'm there to shoot a job, like mm-hmm. give me whatever camera you've got, as long as I can control, you know, my exposure and, and basically like use a lens I would normally use. Like if you give me a 50 millimeter and a camera that I can shoot manually, I don't care what the job is. Like I'll be able to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, as long as you have that down, shoot whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like do your thing. It, it, mm-hmm. That's not going to create the work that uh you know really makes an impact because oh man this is yeah i'm gonna have this photo you know i'm gonna buy a a limited edition print because they used a an f 1.4 lens beautiful you know (laughs) like Like your book friend of mine like i don't i don't know what camera you use and i don't care what what camera you use exactly and that was the thing yeah it was just great pictures and i guess i was excited to talk to you about the book the friend of mine that you published which i think it's sold out right yeah, it is. Yeah, dude, thank you, man. That must have felt good, dude, to sell out the. <laughs> oh gosh, dude, I, I mean, we, I, I tried to, I tried to like overshoot in terms of the production size, because um, I, I, you know, when it started, it was like, 
I started talking to all these different printers and pretty much everybody was like, yeah, minimum order of 500 copies to make it happen. And I'm like, okay, if I can sell 500 copies of this book, I will be delighted. Like, and it, I don't care if it takes me the next 10 years to sell all those copies. <laughs> I can do an order of 500. I'm comfortable with that, whatever. And uh, we pre-sold a little over 1100 and that just blew my mind because I didn't even, I hadn't even seen the finished copy yet, you know? So for people to, to have that much faith in me, I guess I was shocked. Um, but obviously, you know, extremely thankful and honored for that. Um, and so we, we kind of just was like, okay, pre-sold like 1100. Um, if we do an addition of 1750, cause I, I ran the pre-sale for, I think maybe a month. So I'm yep. like, most of the people who are going to buy a copy pretty quick, I would say they're probably, they've already ordered a copy. So yep. I'll order some extras to basically just have as like, you know, some inventory I can move for the next, however long it takes me and some to keep for myself. Um, and then we basically ran with that and I was like very adamant, like I'm not doing a second printing, not doing another edition. Like, I've done enough with these pictures that I just want to give them a good place to live in a good quality book and I can move on, you know, cause it's like, I've showed those pictures, um, at like, you know, like little gallery events or exhibitions. Um, I've done interviews with those pictures. It's, they, they gave me a lot of really cool opportunities and I'm like, I don't want to just keep sharing the same stuff over and over, you know? So I'm like, I just want to give one last place for these photos to live and move on. So, um, I tried to overshoot on the production size with that in mind. And then before I even made it to Minneapolis where we packed and, and shipped everything, um, that edition of 1750 was, was sold out. So Damn. I, I was truly like, um, blown away but overwhelmed is probably the best way <laughs> yeah i saw you guys buying these like packaging up all those books and shit it was a Man, lot of it, work <laughs> it was uh i that's what i tell everyone i'm like it was as diy as we could get it outside of us physically printing the book ourselves. you know like with an actual printing press and everything um I mean, we had all of the books delivered to uh, my dude Kevin's house because the book was actually printed in uh, Canada, but they were dropped off or basically delivered to uh, the company Bookmobile, which is in Minneapolis. And that's who we were kind of working with. Um, so, and it, Book, Bookmobile is like a publishing house kind of? They, they, they're a printer. So most of the printing they do in-house in Minneapolis, but some of the offset printing, they outsource that. So what we kind of later found out through the whole process of working with them was basically like Bookmobile is kind of the middleman. So Friesen's is a place in Canada that printed the book, but it was facilitated through Bookmobile. So it's like we paid Bookmobile for the books, but then they sent stuff off to Friesen's. In hindsight, we probably could have just worked with Friesen's directly, but we yeah. didn't know. We had never done anything like this before. Um, so it's it's a self-published book. We didn't have a publisher. We didn't have distribution or anything. So it was, all right, drop off all of the books at Kevin's. Uh, let's get sleeves, plastic sleeves for every book. 
we need bubble wrap for every book. We need a box for every book. We need a label for every book. I need to buy a label printer. Um, I mean, dude, it was, it was literally gets expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Extremely expensive. And that's what, like we were talking about it with Kevin. He's like, yeah, people don't realize there's no money in books. Like, Oh no, very few, like, unless you're like any Leibowitz or one of these Avedon who's in Barnes and Nobles, like, right. Like my friend printed like a real coffee table book and he spent 30 grand out of pocket just to make that. And he, I don't even know if he broke even, but it was right. Yeah, every little bit. And then you look at the shipping, the fact that we didn't have distribution and we were doing all of that ourselves. So, I mean, we spent days from sunup to sundown in Minneapolis just over and over. I signed every single copy. So I signed every copy, (laughs) sleeved every copy, bubble wrapped it, packaged it, slapped a label on it, drove it, you know, basically filling up my truck bed with books and then driving them to the post office, coming back, filling up another truckload. I mean, dude, it was a... And it was just me, Kevin, my assistant, Nathan, and then one of Kevin's friends who offered to help out uh, like on two of the days that we were there. And it was just, it was a grind for sure. And yeah, uh, I'm sure you learned a lot just through the process. And if you do, oh if you do another book, you'll know like, Hey, I don't need to do this now. And I can yeah. do this. And it's just, we've, uh, we've gained a lot of experience and a lot of insight, man. We, um, and, and Nathan, my assistant, I also had him shooting video of pretty much the whole week that we were there. And so we're hoping maybe at the end of this month, um, I've had a million projects all going at once. And so it's like, yeah, it's a lot. They're all getting finished one by one, but eventually, um, sometime in the next month, there will be sort of like a mini documentary about that whole process. That's going to go up. That would be amazing, man. Cause I know so many photographers that want to make this like a little book about their project. And it's just like, unless you're like in that world, you don't even know where to begin. And like going from like, like blurb is like one thing, but like what you did was like a legit book and it was like quality binding and everything. And, and it's just like such a daunting thing to even approach. Right. And that that is exactly why I was like, I want to film everything and just show what it looks like because I didn't know either. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like I felt like such an outsider to the photo book world because I didn't have a publisher there to show me, okay, so here's how this process works or distribution or anything. It was like, I mean, that was sort of like what we kept saying through this whole process. Kevin and I was just, we'll figure it out. And so that's what we're going to call the little mini documentary is just (laughs) figure it out out. (laughs) because like we didn't know what it would look like. And we made, we made mistakes in terms of like, uh, for instance, the shipping cost for I knew, international. I knew that's what you're going to say. I knew yeah. that's what you're going to say. I was going to say, yeah. Have, have, have I mentioned this no. before? Like what happened? <laughs> okay. So we kind of just had to guess on what the shipping was going to cost for international and for domestic because we didn't have a finished book in hand. We couldn't weigh it. We couldn't package one up and get the shipping estimate. And this was yeah. all, again, the whole edition was pre-sold already. So we basically went off of media mail shipping, roughly the size of the book, roughly the weight, what it should be. And so we charged $5 for domestic and 25 for international. And that to me, I was like, man, that's for a $40 book, $45 book, uh, $25 shipping. That's, I mean, that's a big addition to the cost, you know, but we we were going off of, you know, what we were sort of expecting. We can't control shipping costs. And I even had people message me like, hey, man, is there any way you can wiggle on the, sh- you know, the international shipping? And I'm like, 
man, I wish I could, but I, I really don't think there's any wiggle room. And yeah. turns out I wasn't charging near enough because Shit. we, so we charged 25. So I've got all the money for shipping, you know, basically set aside like, okay, this is going to buy all of the shipping labels. I mean, domestic was, you know, we charged five and I think domestic was $4 and one cent, but then we also didn't add into the shipping cost every plastic sleeve, the card bubble wrap, the cardboard, all of that stuff, which, you know, if I take a little hit on that, whatever, it's not a big deal. Uh, the international shipping for a two pound media mail package of that size, it would have been 25, which is spot on with what we thought. Yeah. But the final weight came to two pounds, five ounces and the five ounce difference from a two pound book and a two pound, five ounces book that jumped the cost from $25 up to $40. Yeah. And there was no wiggle room. There was nothing I could do about that. It was literally, this is just what it's going to cost us. Uh, This is the cheapest rate. We can't ship it any other way. This is media mail, whatever. So that yielded based on the amount of international orders. I basically had to pay an extra $6,000 out of pocket (laughs) just for shipping, (laughs) just for the international shipping, because I accumulated $10,600 in international order shipping and it cost $16,600. So a massive five ounce and $6,000 lesson that I learned just by simply figuring it out because I didn't, I didn't know. And I didn't have anyone there to tell me like, here's what it's going to cost. Here's what you should do, whatever, you know, it's, and, and I would have never found that out if I didn't just do it, you know? So it's like at the time and, and Nathan was filming when that sort of hit all of us as well. And Kevin like abort, can we stop this? Can I return (laughs) the money? (laughs) And, and there's, I mean, there's probably 30 minutes of raw uncut footage from it's just one single take where Nathan was just filming Kevin and I talking and we're, we're literally on the spot, just like, maybe if we do this, maybe if we do that, nope, that wouldn't change it either. Uh, Maybe if we, you know, and it's like, we're working out those problems in real time. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff I want people to see because that's just what it looks like, you know? And, and it's, it's not anyone's fault. It's just what happened. And then that's, you know, it's a, uh, it's like growing pains, man. It's Dude, like, it, yeah, it, it's exactly. A, yeah. It's this progress and the next book you'll do, it'll be more fine tuned and you'll probably learn from that one. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. It's, it never ends. There's, there's always lessons to learn. That's for sure. I think it's smart how you do it because obviously you have a decent size following, but you're, you're not hawking stuff all the time. Like you're not, you probably could if right. you wanted to, but you very rarely like sell. I remember I bought some prints back in the day, but that was like kind of like a one-off thing. And then this book yeah, was like yeah. the first thing you had sold in a while. So I think it is smart. Like you take your time and when you do release something, people want to support you and like help you out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, man. Like I don't want people to ever look at anything I'm doing as like a money grab. You know what I mean? Like if I'm, if I'm going to actually sell something, I want it to be something quality. And so I'll do like the occasional print sale or a zine or something like that. But, um, you know, doing a a book like this, I'm like, I'm, it's going to be, it's not going to be a $20 book. Like it's a $45 book. It's a hardbound, like this is a quality printed book. It's something I can actually like put my seal of approval on, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've even done like shirts and hats and stuff like that, that I basically 
did for, you know, I, I think maybe I had them out for like six months, you know, and it was just sort of a, a print to order kind of thing. So, yeah. um, you know, people had like asked for that for a long time. And I'm like, I'm not just going to put out a shirt that has my name on it because I, that's not me. You know what I mean? And it was yeah. like, until I have a specific thing in mind, like a message that I want to put out there that I think would look good, yeah. um, then I'll do that, you know, and I did it. And then I basically told people, you know, after it had been out for months, I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, it's going to be up for another few weeks. So if you really want something, grab it now. But I'm not just going to let this live up here on my site indefinitely because um, while people have hit me up in that time, like, hey, man, when's the new stuff coming out? Or are you going to bring these back? Because I want one. It's like, I appreciate that. But I also, I if I am selling something, I want it to mean something, Definitely. you know, and, it, and it's like... Um, yeah, I, I, that's just, that's just it. It's like, I, I don't want to have stuff just out there just to, just to make money. You know, um, I'm very, very fortunate enough that, you know, I've got sponsors and stuff that I can rely on and I don't have to, um, you know, I don't have to really grind, I guess, as, as much as I used to. Yeah. It comes for me. It this comes from a sincere place. You can tell that you're like a working artist, you're working on your craft and you're, you're, you're spending years on these projects. So it comes from a sincere place. You're not just hawking it to somebody. Um, Cause I think, I, I think you mentioned one of your videos, you're working on possibly another book with your photos that you took of your father over the years. Right. Is that something that's, you're kind of working on now? Yeah. Yeah, man. I, for years, I worked with my dad in the cemeteries engraving tombstones and uh, for about 10 years, and I would just always have my camera with me, kind of like we were talking about earlier, you know, like anything around me, I'm going to have a camera with me and I'm just going to be snapping photos. So uh, some of the photos are, you know, actual photos of him working and, you know, in the work van, that kind of stuff. And then other stuff is just photos I made while we were out working. You know, it was just the two of us and we were in the van all day long going from cemetery to cemetery. And I would just anything that caught my eye, you know. And uh, it was never like a, a project I was working on. It was just me carrying my camera with me like I always did. And uh, when he passed away in 2017, that kind of gave all of those photos just a different kind of, of weight to them personally, obviously, you know. And, um, you know, I took over the business for a year and uh, ended up selling it and everything when I went full time, um, which was, you know, amazing that I was able to do that. And I think that time working without him as well. I continued to make photos while I was at work and uh, I, I never thought about putting photos like that out there as like a project. But just in recent years, you know, I thought I want to have a way to sort of honor him. You know, I want to make a book for him and sort of, you know, share the photos and even some writing like to him in a way. Um, and And it's a lot of work that I never really shared because there was no need to. Again, it wasn't like I was trying to to show anybody or work on a project to show anybody. It was just photos I made, you know, while I was with my dad. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's something I've really felt a lot more, um, a lot more willing, I guess, to share. And I think doing a quality book is the only way I want to, I want to do that, especially sort of making something like in memory of him. So uh, I've gone through the process of kind of making selections of photos that I know that I want to put in the book and pairing certain photos together and that sort of thing. But 
uh, it's definitely going to look much different than friend of mine, just in terms of the book format itself, how I sequence things, um, you know, what I share, there will probably be a mix of black and white and color and some writing and scanning in some different things to, to really, uh, really kind of pull an experience together into the book. Like I, I really want to try and just experiment a little bit more with the format. Um, friend of mine was very straightforward and specific for a reason. And this one, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I just want to experiment with this one a little bit more. Um, obviously I want to be, you know, <laughs> sure of it and confident in it when it's done, but, but I don't want to limit myself. Basically. I want to just continue to, to experiment with the materials there and just see what I can create just with the format of a book. Was, was your father like a willing uh, photographic subject? Did he like love no. having his picture? He hated no, it. Hated, like, it. <laughs> yeah. hated it. I, uh, man, I begged him for years. Like, I'm like, dad, I take portraits for a living. Like, yeah. I promise you were in good hands. Just let me make an honest portrait of you. No, he would, he couldn't stand it. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of the photos early on for the first probably seven or eight years, I'd say of working with him, all of the photos I made of him were candid photos that he wasn't expecting photos. He didn't see coming because the second I would point my camera at him, he would turn away, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it wasn't until really the last couple years of his life that for whatever reason, um, I think I might've had my wife try and like convince him to let me because anything that I needed him to do, I knew that if my wife asked him, he smart would agree move, to it. Smart yeah. Move with that pressure. <laughs> she, yeah. She, she could do no wrong in his eyes. So like yeah, yeah. anytime any of us in our family needed anything, if my mom was getting on to him about doing something, she would just be like, Molly, will you please tell him, you know? And then sure enough, right away. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't until the last couple years of his life that, there were a handful of times where I would just, you know, tell him like, Hey, it's been a minute. Let's just let me shoot one roll of film on you, you know, 12 photos, 10 photos, whatever it may be. Let me just make some new current photos of you while I can, you know? Yep. And, uh, he was a good sport about it. And I mean, obviously he, his death was a very like unexpected and, and sudden kind of thing. So we, you know, it, it wasn't like it was, we got a call from a doctor and it's like, okay, we need to take these pictures now. You know, I, I'm just thankful he ever let me because, uh, if he hadn't, I probably wouldn't have some of my favorite pictures I've ever made. So, um, yeah, man, it was, it was, uh, years of pressure, but he finally, finally let me get a few photos in there towards the end. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it. And some you, you're continually, you're always telling on the videos, man, is photograph your family, photograph your life. And it's something, you know, yeah. it's something that's actually uncomfortable for me. Like I'm actually more comfortable photographing strangers than actually yeah. photographing my family, but this from listening to it, like I'm doing it more now and it, it is smart, man. I even had a friend, um, his father passed away a few years ago and he, he actually sat down and did a recorded an interview with his father before he passed. Oh, and I was just like, man, that's so smart. And just talk to him about his life. Like, see, even- I wish I could have done that with my dad, man. There's so many stories that I remember him telling as a kid and I still remember them, but like to hear it in his own voice, man, that would have been. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's important, man. Cause I think I, maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but did you end up photographing your father's funeral too? I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I had a camera with me, um, when he was after he had a stroke, uh, and he was in the hospital. I mean, he had a stroke and then 
I mean, 36 hours later, we knew he wasn't going to make it and that we were saying our goodbyes. And I'm extremely thankful that I even had that opportunity to, to be there and know that he was still there and we could talk to him before. Um, but yeah, man, I, I had my camera with me there in the hospital and made a couple of photos um, at the viewing where, you know, at the funeral home and then all graveside service and everything was your um, family all your family and like relatives were they like cool with that because i could see like yeah yeah they you know i think i'm i'm lucky that you know i've i've carried a camera with me everywhere for 17 years now and it's like everyone in the family just knows like i've i'm that's just how i'm gonna process and and operate you know what i mean and they know they knew that my dad and i were extremely close like he yep. was out of anyone in my family everyone like he was the person I was the closest with. And, uh, you know, I think they just knew that that was my way of, of processing it and just how I'm going to navigate through things. And, um, you know, like even at the graveside service, like during the the service itself, I made one single photo. Cause that's all, that was the only like feeling I had to make a photo. You know, I, I really try not to force it. And especially in a situation like that, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like crouching down on the yeah, side, yeah, getting yeah, yeah. Like, well, shooting burst photos. You know, it was, <laughs> it was literally like, I, I didn't move my position. It was just what happened directly in front of me. And I just pulled the camera up real quick, one frame, put it back down by my side. And that was it. And it's like, um, you know, I, I was, I was thankful that everybody was obviously cool about it. You know, I think probably people at the viewing not family members, but just people who were there, you know, at the viewing, they probably saw me with a camera or maybe see me take a couple photos and thinking like, wow, that's why would you yeah, <laughs> want to yeah, do yeah. that? You know, but I mean, at the same time, it's like his viewing and everything was, was really just a, a celebration, you know, cause we, we tried to look at it through that lens, so to speak. Like we, we, as tragic as that was like, he was a really good dude and had a really good life, you know, and like everybody yeah. loved him. So it's like, man, we're, we're here to, to celebrate what yeah. we're thankful You're, to have. You loved your father and you wanted to squeeze every little inch you could. Yeah. Like, just like, remember it, man. And whatever yeah, yeah. you can do to find peace if you can, man. Again, I think that's really, it's powerful stuff, man. Hats off to you for doing it, dude. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. And that's, that's again, why I share that kind of stuff. It's like, I don't want people to look at, my photos of everyday life or look at photos of my family or photos of my dad and think, Oh man, that's amazing that you got that particular photo or this or that. Like it's cool that people like the photos and, and can look at them strictly as photos and like see value in them that way. But it's like, I really just want people to see, I guess like what I get out of it personally. You know what I mean? It's like, I want people to, see that they can do the same thing with their day-to-day -day life and and making a record of it and and celebrating things that mean something to them it's like you know it, it's, it's not about look at my life it's like no this is just these are normal everyday moments that everybody's experiencing like you can enjoy it and document it the same way and get that same kind of fulfillment from it and what a gift to your kids when they grow up, man, to have those photos of their grandfather, who unfortunately they didn't get to know that well. But like, yeah, I mean, I have some my grandmother passed away a few years ago and like I have some photos, but nothing like the way that you have been able to document your family, which is like such an incredible thing, man. 
That's the thing. Like, I, I think they'll be thankful for uh, some of the photos that they have. They're probably not going to be thankful for the the <laughs> pounds of negatives that they're going to be <laughs> dealing with one day when they when they inherit everything. But uh, but yeah, man, I'm hoping I can at least make a couple good photos along the way. So <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I guess to wrap up, man, I could talk to you forever, dude. But um, yeah, I guess what, what's next for you, man? Like, I, I know you're always working on multiple things, but what's next? What's got you excited right now? Man, uh, yeah, right now, kind of going through the years of working with my dad, getting that book ready to go, Um, maybe sometime towards the end of the year, um, you know, I'll I'll have some something to show for it and maybe have something ready. But uh, right now, man, it's it's just sort of enjoying the process, enjoying some normalcy again. And uh, yeah, shooting some large format, man. We'll see if this uh, this new this new speed of working is cut out for me. I think <laughs> I think maybe it's like I'm 30 now, so I'm like, okay, I'm 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 30. Uh, this is a this is a different chapter for me. We'll, we'll call it that. <laughs> I like it, man. Well, always a pleasure, Matt, and uh, thank you so much, kid. Man, thank you as always, man. I, again, I, I appreciate you taking the time and having me back on the show. I'm I'm stoked to see everything you've done since then, and obviously everything to come, man. So keep it going. So there you have it. That was the Matt Day interview. I just want to thank Matt so much for taking the time to come back on the podcast again. Uh, It's always a pleasure to talk to him about photography and all the different projects he's working on. Um, Like I said, I've been a big fan of Matt's work for years. Um, He produces lots of really great videos about photography. Um, So definitely go check out his popular YouTube channel. Uh, It's just at Matt Day. And definitely go give him a follow on Instagram, at Matt Day Photo. I'll put all the links in the descriptions. Um, But definitely go check out his work. Like I say, he does really great stuff. Um, So as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, So definitely go check that out. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.